go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you are listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. Each week in this broadcast, we will explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 13 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. You can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostle that we can provide pathways for you as individuals, families, as well as parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're doing a series of broadcasts that call forth the process of spiritual rebuilding and renewal of local parishes that's actually found in the book of Revelation. These sacred scriptures have been so enlightening as we've been walking through these the past couple weeks. And they're really encouraging because of the times that we find ourselves in. Isn't that right, Peter? Yes, Leslie. I've loved the book of Revelation ever since my really early days of walking with the Lord, and it, this series has really brought it alive again. Yes, I'm getting an, a lot out of these broadcasts, and I think that we're hoping that we can show our listeners how Jesus has been calling parishes to rebuild and renew all throughout history, even dating back to those first-century churches and parishes. Yes, and as we look to these parishes, it's up-to-date. It's not just first-century stuff. It applies to us today. Yes. So, as you mentioned, Leslie, in these broadcasts, we are pulling together the sacred scripture, excerpts from the catechism, the lives of the saints, and we'll be talking about saints today and the teaching of the church as we seek to challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renewal the Catholic faith here in America. Right. It's for everybody. Yes. And last week, we introduced the fifth church in the book of Revelation, the church at Sardis. In each letter of these seven churches, we've been learning about each city, along with the characteristic of Jesus Christ that he spoke of in Revelation chapter 1 of himself. And then Jesus gave almost every church that we've been talking about a commendation, a criticism, a correction, and then if they obey what he's saying to them, he offers a crown to the one that overcomes. So our, our listeners should make note of this framework because it's repeated over and over again. Yes, and, and it's, it, I've kind of alluded to the fact that it's a great overview and layout for a local parish and its staff to look at just how their church is doing in terms of the grid that Jesus gives in these churches of Revelation. Well, last week we learned that Sardis was so confident that it could not be overcome, that it failed to guard its walls adequately, and therefore in the dead of the night... 
We heard the story of how a a band of brave soldiers climbed up the sides of the ravine and they entered in through an unwatched gate and they actually overthrew the city. Mm -hmm. And both times, the enemy troops scaled the steep, smooth clefts at night and they took the city. And we learned that the people had really become lax in their defenses. And there's an actual spiritual lesson in this because they thought their city was impenetrable and yet it had been captured twice. Yeah, and the words that we've been using, Leslie, is that they became complacent. And it's interesting, with each of these cities, we see that the culture and even the topography of the city sometimes is reflected in the church culture itself. So um, Sardis was a city characterized by this complacent spirit. And so too, as the church in the city, which is least attractive of these seven churches that we're, that Jesus is writing about, they became complacent toward the Lord and the deposit of faith handed down by the apostles. And our Lord finds really nothing to commend them about, which is interesting in uh, the other churches, even when he corrected them, there were some commendations at time, but here there's no commendations. But the way the Lord presents himself to these churches is a clue to what that church needs. And here he calls himself the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And we learned that the spirits are a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they're a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And what the Church of Sardis, therefore, desperately needed was the Holy Spirit himself and life in the Spirit. Also, Jesus pointed out something very important. He said, remember then what you received and heard, obey it and repent. If you do not wake up, please take note, we're going to talk about waking up today. I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So what they had received and heard, the teachings of the apostles, Leslie, the oral tradition that was passed down from Jesus to the apostles, they had moved away from that. Well, you mentioned, Peter, that Jesus did not commend them, but he brings up something really important. He says he knows their deeds. Why is this relevant for us today? So you'll notice in all these letters to the churches, the life of the church is revealed in their deeds, and Jesus makes attention to that. As he does in most of the letters, he said, I know your deeds, I know your works. And in Sardis, these were works that were done to impress people that we talked about last week. They gave this church a name that they were alive and a vibrant church and parish. They had a good reputation, but it actually, Jesus is alluding to the fact that it was a dead church. The members of it, for the most part, were Christians in name only. They not only were not a spiritually alive. They were called nominal Christians. You know, that word nominal comes from the word name, someone who has a name for something. But our Lord has declared that you have a name for being alive, but you're not alive. You're dead. And this indicates a church made up of people who outwardly were professing Jesus Christ, right? And the Catholic faith, probably many of them thought that of themselves as true believers, but who actually, Jesus is saying, you don't possess spiritual life. There are Christians in name only. Well, sometimes parishes, just like the church in Sardis, can appear to be alive by having an incredibly busy calendar of activities. Um, see, We see things such as dances, bingo and trivia nights, plays, pancake breakfast, all kinds of things, you name it. Um, and we, we're at risk today of being a parish that's very, very active, but maybe spiritually we're suffering from being dead. 
Yeah, and that's a point that we want to try to make when we talk about Sardis. The Lord Jesus wants to teach us a different kind of active parish. And our focus today will be what keeps a Catholic parish alive, which is not primarily social activities. Yes, those are important. Right, for community and relationship. But the foundation is sacramental life that leads to outreach the corporal works of mercy, and evangelization. Well, back to Sardis, Peter. What happened? Apparently, there was a time when they were alive. They appeared to be committed to good works, but now there was no life. So the question, how can they become alive again? Well, we're reminded, and we see this in Sardis, Leslie, that the Christian life is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. And rather than it's important of who starts the race, it's important who finishes that race. Well, that's a good point now, a place for us to stop and take a short break. And when we return, Peter and I want to be solutions-oriented. And Jesus calls the Church of Sardis to repent and receive the promises of those who do. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. And today we're focusing on the fifth of the seven local churches or parishes that can be found in chapters two and three of the book of Revelation. And we're talking about the Church of Sardis. And this is a church that has left the faith of their beginnings, and they've replaced the good works that they have been doing with activities that look good on the outside, but did not please the Lord. So... Leslie, what does a dead church need? And when we say dead, we're not being critical. I'm reminded of the uh, book, well-known Catholic book that came out a few years ago by Father Mike, and it was called Rebuilt. And it basically was him coming into a parish that he was said, so to speak, was dead, not to be negative, but a real call and challenge to have the Catholic faith reignited in this parish. So it was a little bit of a book, again, that refers to what we're talking about today. So what does a dead church need, right? So our Lord wasted no time in telling them. It's important to see that he still owned the church. In other words, he wasn't saying to them, I'm going to have nothing to do with you. Rather, he gives them a way to recovery, which, of course, is the heart of the Lord towards all of us. And he still reveals himself as Lord of this church. As we look at these steps to recovery today, they also help us to identify a condition of death in a church. And the first thing a dead church needs is to wake up. And listen to what Jesus says. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is at the point of death. For I have not found your works perfect in the sight of God. Remember then how you received and heard. Obey it and repent. If you do not wake up, now this is Jesus speaking, if you don't wake up, 
I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So two things that we need to consider today is, first of all, how do we wake up, Leslie, spiritually? How indeed do we wake up? And then at, secondly, what do we do begin to do after we wake up? Well, I know there are several scriptures throughout the New Testament and the Gospels that call people, even the believers, to wake up. So how do we wake up spiritually? Are there some practical ways we can do this? Yes, I'm, as you mentioned, that I'm reminded of the scripture that St. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and let Christ shine in you. And this is what we're talking about here today, right? Amen. Yes. So first of all, how do I begin to wake up? I would say, number one, uh, begin again to focus on your personal time with the Lord every day, your personal devotions, your uh, silent time, your secret time with the Lord. I remember Matthew Kelly said one time that if you're not having your devotions with the Lord, start out slow. Just try to set aside seven minutes in the morning, and that and that will help you begin to bit, get back on track. It's how we keep the oil in our lamps, isn't it? Yes, it is. And what do we do when we spend time with the Lord? Well, I always like the, that uh, phrase, acts, A-C-T-S, and it's a good kind of roadmap on spending time with the Lord. First of all, adoration. That can be personal adoration of worship and praise. It can also include Eucharistic adoration of spending that holy hour with the Lord. Secondly, C stands for confession, and that represents us regularly giving an examination of conscience. Uh, the epistle of 1 John makes the statement that we sin regularly, even every day, he said. So an examination of conscience really is something that is a part and parcel to both waking up and staying awake in the Lord. The third thing that we do, Leslie, when we spend time with the Lord is that we practice thanksgiving. Right, an attitude of gratitude. Right, there's so much in the scripture that talks about how important thanksgiving is in our personal relationship and our time spent with the Lord. We're reminded of that whole teach or that time when Jesus healed the 10 lepers, right? And only one came back and thanked him and Jesus really commended him. And that that's a great picture of what Jesus really thinks about the importance of us thanking him. And then finally, this word supplication, what does it mean to supplicate uh, in our prayers to the Lord? That's really twofold. Number one, it means that we pray petitions. And petitions is when we pray for our own needs. You know, a lot of times I, we think, should I pray for my own needs for myself and for the things that I have to ask the Lord about? And petitions are really important because they show a personal dependency on the Lord. And then the second part of supplication is not only is not just praying for ourselves, but intercession means praying for others, almost keeping a list of people. I know that you and I like to keep a list of people that need healing and, and and are sick, and we try to pray for them on a regular basis through that list. Secondly, after uh, I'm waking up by reigniting my devotional life to the Lord, secondly, and this is so critical, we need to practice receiving the sacraments of penance and Eucharist 
on a regular basis. Right. This is where repentance in our lives takes place. And I know, Peter, you came across some beautiful uh, quotes from Mother Teresa on confession. You know, and the thing about Mother Teresa is that she loved confession. And interestingly enough, St. Teresa of Calcutta talks a lot about confession. Right. And Father Angelo Di Scalazzi uh, compiled some of her quotes related to confession, and she really is kind of coaching us on how to make a good confession, isn't she? Yes. Um, So Mm -hmm. she says, confession makes the soul strong because a really good confession, the confession of a child in sin coming back to the father always begets humility and humility is strength. The confessional is not a place for useless conversation or gossip. The topic should be my sins, my sorrow, my forgiveness, how to overcome my temptations, how to practice virtue how to increase in the love of God. Yeah, that's that's good. And that's where she started with talking about confession. Then she said, after, we, uh, after that, we can ask for some spiritual direction if necessary. And she said, the reality of my sins must come first. That's what we do first in confession. For most of us, there is the danger of forgetting that we're sinners and must go to confession as sinners. She said, we must go to God to tell him we're sorry for all that we've done that may hurt him. And I like that focus on that she brings to us, that our sins hurt the Lord, right? I mean, we know they hurt us, but she said they hurt him as well. Then also, I think that one of the reasons we're emphasizing confession today is because we did share some statistics that a lot of Catholics have really fallen away from really receiving the sacrament. Right, and we we said last week that only 7% of Catholics practice going to confession at least once a month. Also, she says that confession is a place where I allow Jesus to take away from me everything that divides, that destroys. And when there is a gap between me and Christ, when my love is divided, anything can come in to fill the gap. And we should always be very simple and childlike in confession. So I think, Peter, it would be good to end with this segment on talking about your experience with confession and when we came back to the Catholic Church, how you encountered Christ in a new way. Right. I, uh, I always say, Leslie, that 10 or 15 years ago when I was an evangelical, I never thought that confession would become such an important part of my life. Right. We thought we could just go straight to Christ. Right. And, I, and we did that for uh, decades. We'd go to Christ and confess our sins. But there's some a release and there's a grace that comes through this sacrament that's been a real blessing and a surprise to us in our Catholic faith. Well, we're going to take another short break, and when we return, we'll discuss the third way we can wake up out of a spiritual sleep and become alive in the Lord. So please stay with us, listeners. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. 
You're listening to the radio program, Go Rebuild My Church, and today we're continuing our series, The Call to Rebuild the Church Here in America, by studying the seven churches in the book of Revelation and what Jesus had to say to them and apply it then to our own lives. And in our last segment, we discussed how in Revelation 3, Jesus called the church at Sardis to wake up. So listeners, if there's any of you out there that think you're dead in Christ, it's time to wake up. Amen. We all need that. Um, so an emphasis, we've just emphasized how important it is to spend time with Jesus every day, and that's part of waking up, as well as repentance through the sacrament of confession. These are those two steps that we can take to wake up. Mm-hmm. But Peter, I believe you have another major way that the scripture and tradi- tradition calls us to wake up. So tell us about that. And Leslie, I think this focus of waking up is that we need to zero in on evangelization. And also, what uh, Pope Benedict coined for us is re-evangelization that needs to happen in the Catholic Church. For instance, like we're talking about Sardis, Sardis need to be re-evangelized. Right, because they had already met the Lord. They yep. had accepted him as their Lord and Savior. They heard the gospel. They were walking with him, and then something happened. Yep. They became dead. Exactly. So uh, I want to uh, quote uh, Cardinal Dolan. Here, who brought out some great things back in 2012 about the place that evangelization and re-evangelization needs to take at the heart of the church. And he started out by saying this, Leslie, that the church has a deep need for the interior conversion that is at the morrow of the call to evangelization. And so evangelization all starts with this powerful word conversion, which means that we turn around. And that's what uh, Cardinal Dolan said needs to begin to start here in our church. And I think the point that we're trying to make is that the church at Sardis had lost the vision that took place with their initial conversion. Isn't that right? That That is very correct, yes. Secondly, Cardinal Dolan goes on and says this, Jesus said, remember then what you've received, uh, or Jesus said, remember what you have received and heard, obey and repent. The Cardinal says, God does not satisfy the thirst of the human heart with a proposition, but with a person whose name is Jesus. I really like that. He said the invitation implicit in the mission to the Gentiles and evangelization is not a doctrine, but to know, love, and serve, get this, Leslie, not something, but someone, but someone. When you begin your ministry, the cardinal said, as successor uh, of Peter, speaking about the Holy Father at that time, he said, you invited us to a friendship with Jesus, which is the way you define sanctity. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when Pope Benedict, when he just be- was right before he came Pope, said that we needed to develop that friendship with Jesus Christ. So your fourth point is that this person, Jesus, tells us he is the truth. And he and talk to us a little bit about that fourth point. Yeah. So he, uh, the cardinal said, our mission has a substance, a content, and a twenty-first anniversary of the catechism, the approaching fiftieth anniversary of the council, and the upcoming year of faith. Charge us to combat. This is what he called catechetical illiteracy. In other words, he was saying that the church needs to be recatechized in its evangelization process. And that reminded me that Father Mike, 
uh, Schmidt, who we love with the Bible in a Year broadcast, is going to be doing the Catechism in a Year. And this will be a great tool for Catholics that will help all of us to continue to wake up to what the Church believes and what the Church teaches, right? Right. And Peter, why is the re-evangelization or the wake-up call to those that are asleep or dead in their faith so urgent right now? according to Cardinal Dolan. Why is it so urgent? Well, he goes on to say in the next quote, Leslie, evangelization is urgent because secularism has choked the seed of faith in the church. And that choking has sadly made easy, is made easy because so many believers really do not have adequate knowledge and grasp of wisdom, beauty, and the coherence of the truth. So again, you can see this emphasis that evangelism and re-evangelism Evangelization is starting in the church for its need, just like it was needed in Sardis that we've been talking about. Okay, so re-evangelization is combating secularism, but Peter, help our listeners here. What's a, what's a good definition of secularism that we can get our teeth around? Right, that's, I know a really easy definition that helps you understand it, and it's secularism is an inordinate focus on the here and the now, just what's happening in front of us. And the wonderful thing that sacred scripture and prayer will do for us is they become antidotes to that secular mindset, and we begin to see the unseen and not the seen, Leslie. And Cardinal Dolan also mentions another cardinal, Cardinal George Pell from Australia. And Cardinal Pell observed this, it's not so much that our people, he's talking about we Catholics, right, have lost their faith, but they are barely had it to begin with. It's quite a statement to say. And if they did, it's so vapid and vapid, that word is interesting, it means without spirit, it's dull and it's tedious, that it is, is easily taken away. And so with Cardinal Pell and what he's saying, Leslie, is that we really do need to focus on this waking up through re-evangelization in the church. And I think at this point, it would be really good to stop and pray for all of us that the Lord would give us grace to begin to wake up in all that we are doing in our Catholic faith, just as the church at Sardis had to wake up. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, you presented yourself to the church of Sardis as the one who held the seven spirits, as the Holy Spirit, and we ask that you, too, would give us the Holy Spirit, Lord, and that you would cause each one of us personally, as families, and as local parishes and the church at large to wake up and to begin again to do the things that we learned at first in our conversion, what we've been taught through sacred scripture, the tradition, and the magisterium of the church. We thank you, Lord, that you did not abandon Sardis and you do not abandon us. Give us the grace to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus Christ's name, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us today as we seek to connect you to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. And if you'd like to hear our past programs, we invite you to go to catholicradioindy.org, where you can access all previous broadcasts through the podcast tab on the webpage. Also, please make sure you download the Catholic Radio Indy app from your app store, where you can listen to Catholic Radio 24-7 and become a regular listener with us. So goodbye for now, and keep keep the the faith. faith.
You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 103.7.